Welcome everybody to the Crosspoint Sermon Podcast. Available, teachable, and obedient. Let's run with that. And the key to all those things is this. In John 15, we have to remain in him. John 15, 4 through 5 says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Let me say this again. You are not the vine. And if you think you're the vine, your life source will be sucked out very quickly. In today's sermon podcast, Pastor Jonathan challenges us to take a stand against the principalities and powers that have come against us and say no more. To literally step on the neck of the enemy and take back what the enemy has stolen from our families, from our marriages, within our community, within our culture. So sit back and enjoy a challenging message. Thanks for listening. All right, well, we are going to start a little mini-series this week and next week, and we're going to be talking about Thrive, that God wants us as believers to thrive. And then in March, we're going to start a series entitled Why I Believe. And so it's going to be, uh, be excited about that. But today we're going to talk about Thrive, You Are Empowered. You are empowered. And this is why we are to, to thrive. Even when fear is on the rise, we are called to thrive. 100%. And I don't know if you've noticed, but fear is trying to take over our community and our nation in this world. It has become a driving force in our society, in our culture. Fear of the newest and latest disease. Fear of public opinion. Fear of health problems, mental problems, fear of terrorism, fear of our economy, fear of being able to provide for our family, fears of wars and rumors of wars. There are fear tactics being used every day, especially politically, because a lot of the politics are, if you vote for this person, this is what they're going to do, instead of this is what I believe is right to do. And it's all based on the fear of voting for the other party or the other person. It's fear tactics. Fear tactics that are being used to hurt us physically and emotionally. And it's a lot to handle. And with fear comes uncertainty, doubt, anxiety, panic, the shakes. Like when people panic, our brains disappear. Have you ever noticed that? You ever seen a group of people that panic? It's just chaos. And that's where the enemy's wanting us to go. I was, re- I was reading an article and it had this statement in it from the Journal of Affective Disorders. I don't read the Journal of Affective Disorders, but it was in this article. It's not something I go, I can't wait to read this article, you know. I just happened to cross by it. And it says this, a recent study in this article shows that 
Over 60% of college students met the criteria for mental illness between 2020 and 21. And that anxiety and depression are up 135 and 110% respectively since 2013. And I can tell you it's even higher than that now. But let me tell you what's awesome. Jesus is even greater than any fear that the enemy can try to put on us. He's greater. And as Christians, we thrive in Jesus by listening and obeying. Listening and obeying. And as you read the Bible, there are over 300 times in the Bible where there is a statement that says, do not fear or don't fear. Over 300 times. That's almost for every day of the year. That's huge. Fear not. It's important. And we need to pay attention to it. Why? Because as believers, we're called to thrive in fear. And we're called to overcome fear. And we're called to push through those that bring fear. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Fear's gonna try to come in and influence your choice. Don't be afraid. Don't listen to the spirit of fear. The only thing that we are to fear is God. It's the only thing we are to fear. And I know a lot of you know this verse, but we're gonna, we're gonna speak it anyways because it's a good verse for us to grab. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, for God has not given us the spirit of and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. That's important because fear is a spiritual force. And fear can take over a room, a culture, a society, a church, or a nation. And fear wants to put us on the retreat. It wants Christians to shrink back. But I'm telling you, if we live a life under the word of God, and we listen and obey, we will thrive and we will overcome any fear that's thrown our way. It happens all the time in the Bible. But here's what fear can do. It can paralyze you and it can keep you from the promises of God. Look what happened to the Israelites when they left Egypt. They, got, they, they, they made it a few days after they escaped and then they got scared and they wanted to go back and because they got scared and they did some really dumb things god was like that generation's not going to the promised land fear kept them from it fear kept moses from the promised land but then there was another named joshua Joshua, and inside Joshua, a warrior was awakened inside of him. And I'm here to say, there's a lot of Joshua's in this room. And it's time to wake up. And it's time to stop allowing fear to make decisions for us. And it's time for us to allow the Spirit of God to make decisions. And for us to move forward in the things of God and not the things of man.
Amen. Joshua's name was originally Hosea, but Moses changed it to Yahshua, which is translated as Yahweh is salvation or Yahweh saves. That's a much better name. Joshua was about to take the land that God had promised to the Israelites, and it was a land full of self-serving standards of living, false gods, fluid morality, open borders, no value of life, communistic power and greed. Kind of sounds a little familiar, huh? But here's what, what God did. He told Joshua to take the land. He didn't say, well, I'm just going to hand it over to you. You just cross over and you're not going to have to do anything. Joshua had to do things that we will never have to do. There's things that he did that, like, I would never want to do that. But he did it. God's not asking you to go out and do those things. But he is asking you to take a stand and to move forward under the name of Jesus. And not shrink back. And there is a culture out here that we have backed off long enough and it's time for us to take a stand and move forward and let people know Christians aren't here to be pushed around. We're here to thrive in the goodness of God. Joshua 1.9 says this, this is my command. Be strong and what? Do, be, do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God is letting us know this is my command. That same command lasts for us today. It still stands for us. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. How many times do we see that throughout the entire Bible, that theme that God will always be with us. Jesus will never leave us. He will never forsake us. It doesn't matter if he's in heaven. He's still here with us. And he's here to guide us. He's here to protect us. And he's empowered you with the Holy Spirit. And he didn't empower you with the Holy Spirit to sit on your rear end and do nothing. I could have said another word, but I didn't. But God has given us the ability to be even greater than what even Joshua did. John 14, 12 says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. This is Jesus talking. And then he says, and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. He's called us to do greater things. And I love what Jonathan Edwards says. says, surely the lordship of Christ demands our total dependence on God. Surely the Lordship of Christ, he is our Lord, 
demands our total dependence on God. We wake up in the morning, we have total dependence on God. We have a, we have a bat, spiritual battle to take on, we have total dependence on God. Our integrity has been questioned, we have total dependence on God. We have enemies that are gonna come after you, you have total dependence on God. Not total dependence on what you can do, but on what he can do, what Jesus has already done, and what the Holy Spirit is about to do. But our total dependence has to be on him. Total dependence. Our key scripture for this week and next week is 1 John 4, 4. And it says this, but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you, come on, is what? Say it with some feeling is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. The problem is we don't believe we're greater. But we've got to understand that we are in the greater category. Not that we're above anybody else, but we are above the standards of sin and deception and chaos. We have a king who's already declared you have already won a victory over those people. You've already won one. You've already won. You've already won. We need to act like winners. You know when a, when a team comes in and they're, they're a winning team, there's a confidence that comes with that. Like they see the opposition and they like, oh, we t- yeah, we, we see them, but do you see us? And I think a lot of times we need to walk in and go, you know the God I serve? <laughs> Let me just tell you, there's a Jesus who shed his blood over me. There's a Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit that's uh, living inside me. And no weapon formed against me will prosper. You're going to lose. That's why I wore this jacket. It makes me look cool. Ladies and gentlemen, you are empowered and you have already won. And when God gives us a command a direction, a calling for our lives, we've got to learn to walk in the knowledge, confidence, and authority that we have already won. How comforting it is to know that he chose us and said, I want to empower you. And if you're waiting for your life to become so clean and perfect before you make that choice, you allow him in, it never will be. Because God empowers imperfect people to do great things. And none of you are perfect just like I'm not. We're not perfect people, but we get to be used by a perfect God. God looks for those who are available, teachable, and obedient. Let's run with that. And the key to all those things is this. In John 15, we have to remain in him. 
John 15, 4 through 5 says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Let me say this again. You are not the vine. (laughs) And if you think you're the vine, your life source will be sucked out very quickly. He is the vine. You're the branch. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And throughout the book of Joshua, if you'll notice something, there's something so great that they always do. That's That's why Joshua was victorious in everything he did. And they had this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. And it held the presence of God on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And they kept that focus and we kept the Ark of the Covenant in front of everything that they did. When there was a battle, there's the presence of God. When there's a fight, there's a presence of God. When we need to worship, there's the presence of God. He was always at the focal point. And if Jesus is not at the focal point, if God's presence is not the focal point of everything we do, we're going to slide. We got to stay in his presence, remain in him. Everywhere they marched, they would keep their eyes focused on the ark and their heart set on Yahweh. And then, even then, God still spoke to his people and said this Joshua 1 6 through 8 Be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Now hold on real quick. Before we go further, I want you to understand this. Be strong and courageous for you are the one who are going to lead your families. Who are going to lead people around you to possess the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study the book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. You want to prosper and succeed? Get in the book. Well, I'm not much of a reader. Well, I've got you on that because I am not much of a reader at all, but I read this. I don't read fiction. I don't read a bunch of, I read the study and I read this because I need it inside my soul all the time. And when I don't, I can feel it. And I love the fact that In Joshua 1, there's four times that God tells him, be strong and courageous. Why? Because Christians, we got to persevere. You're empowered to persevere. Hebrews 10, 36 says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. You want to receive what he's promised? Persevere, push through. How do we push through? We receive the Holy Spirit. We keep our eyes focused on him. We stay in his presence. We remain in him. We meditate on the word day and night. It's really not that complicated. (laughs) But we make it really hard. 
study the book of instruction. How do you want to, how do you flourish? By rooting yourselves in the unchanging, powerful word of God. God empowers Joshua. Joshua empowered his people. Jesus empowers us through the Holy Spirit. And why does he do that? So that we can all stand in victory over the schemes and the plans of the enemy, over the strongholds and the principalities that come against us. And those things are real. They come against us. So for the rest of this time, we're going to go into Joshua 10. And I love Joshua 10. There's so much in this, we can't even get to all of it today. But I want you to, I want to point out some major things here. And hopefully this is a revelation to you because it was a revelation to me that God showed this. And it's just incredible. So we're going to read the first five verses here. And it says, Adonai Zedek, the king of Jerusalem, was struck with fear when he heard how Joshua had totally destroyed the kings and cities of Ai and Jericho, and that the people of Gibeon had made a peace treaty with Israel and were living alongside them. The city of Gibeon was larger than Ai, as large as any of the cities that were ruled by a king, and all its men were known as great warriors. So King Adonai Zedek of Jerusalem sent messages to King Hoam of Hebron, King Param of Jarmuth, King Jaffa of Lashish, and King Debir of Eglon. Whew. The people of Gibeon have made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. Come and help me attack them. The five Amorite kings joined forces, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish and Eglon, their combined armies surrounded Gibeon and attacked it. Now this is a major deal. This, like, this is the five armies coming against Gibeon and, and all the Israelites. And I kept thinking, why did it mention all their names? There's got to be a reason, not just for the territory that's around, but what is the significance? What is the importance of the names of these kings. Why is it so important that they just wipe these people out? And here's the deal, a lot of people will will tell you, well, in the Old Testament, God wiped entire nations out. Why would I serve a God who would wipe out entire nations and, and kill everybody? Well, what people don't realize is God gave these people and these nations 400 years to turn back to him since Genesis 15. And they refused to do it. And they grew their own gods. They created their own gods. They did all their debauchery and, and sexual immorality. And God was done with it. And he had warned them and warned them. And they still didn't turn back. So he was done. And if you, if you want a little trivia, Bible trivia, Joshua 10, verse 1, is the first time the word, the name Jerusalem is used in the Bible. But there are some major meanings to these five kingdoms. And I, I, I want to call them what they really, what they are to me, five strongholds and principalities that were against the nation of Israel. And if you notice, the first king who brought them all together, what is his name? Adonai Zedek. Well, whose name is Adonai? 
God, right? That's a name for God. But he, his name, he named Adonai Zedek, which means Lord and righteousness. So he's calling himself Lord, and then he's creating his own righteousness to follow, which means he's an imposter. He's a pagan. He's a counterfeit to what righteousness truly looks like. And this principality represents a spirit of oppression that leads to injustice, fear, poverty, confusion, and defeat. This principality is after your peace and it tries to instill worry, fear, depression, and anxiety. Principality number one that Joshua had to go take out. Number two, King Hoam, which means whom Jehovah stirs up. This principality represents and drives people into religious performance to try to perfect themselves through legalism rather than the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's a lot of our churches today. This can lead to passivity, retreat, moral corruption, exhaustion, weariness, and broken relationships. This demonic spirit causes an inability to move forward in the things of God and will always resist spiritual warfare. It tries to hold on. Third principality, King Param, is all about swift running. And the other meaning is wild donkey. In the King James Version, it says something else. For those of you that don't know the King James, go look up donkey under King James. And that's what it means. And it represents a principality of besiegement that can lead to barrenness, poverty, isolation, and death. It wants to keep you wild, unbridled, and too proud to submit to true spiritual authority so that you will be isolated. Anybody heard heard of spirit of pride? Fourth principality, King Jaffa. Enlightening. Principality represents blindness. Will try to get you to shine the light on yourself and demand your rights my body, my choice, so that you take God's glory for yourself and lose the ability to receive revelation from God. It can darken your spiritual understanding, bringing a lack of joy and a feeling of bondage. Fifth principality, King Debir, city of branches, place of the word. It's a principality of accusation seeks to get you to attack others' reputations, try to bring discredit to leaders and stop true prophetic revelation from going forth or a release of God's word. This demonic spirit's goal is to cut off the voice of the Lord, stop the war cry of the saints, and remove the presence of God from your midst. These five kings had dominance, rule, and authority over their regions. 
and they have defied the living God and had brought up their pagan ways and had become self-serving. And he told Joshua, take the land. Take them out. If you go down to verse 8, it says, Yahweh spoke to Joshua, do not fear the Amorite kings and their armies, for I have decreed your victory over them. Not one will withstand you. Not one. Ladies and gentlemen, these principalities are alive today. And they are trying to dictate how we as the church and as Christians and as believers live our lives. And I'm here to say it's time to take a stand. And it's time to tell these principalities that they have no hold over this region, over this church, over our families, over our jobs, over anybody that we know, our friends and our relationships, that those principalities must fall in Jesus' name. And he's calling his church with his unfailing power, grace, and love to be bold, courageous, and to have strength in him. He's letting us know that this spiritual opposition will not withstand him or you. But you got to have faith, and you are empowered to have greater faith. You truly are. You're empowered to have greater faith. Faith, a supernatural impartation of belief and confidence for specific situations. For I have decreed your victory over them. Not one will withstand you. Are we going to have the faith to believe that? Then this is what happens in verse 9. Joshua and his fighting force marched all night long from Gigal to Gibeon and took them all by surprise. Think about this. They did a 20-mile march at night carrying all their swords, their shields, everything they needed for a fight. 20 miles at night in hard territory they walked. After you have walked 20 miles all night long, you're probably going to be a little bit tired. You're going to be a little bit weary. But it didn't say they got to rest. They went right into the battle. And took them all by surprise. They attacked right away. How many times do we feel exhausted, whooped, fried, and done? But we still know there's a spiritual fight in front of us. It's time to increase our faith. It's time to see the impossible made possible. It's time to push through and it's time to go on the attack. I'm, I, I, we'll rest when we get to heaven. The greater faith is to now. It's time. That greater faith cares about your marriage. That greater faith cares about your family, your job, your mental and spiritual health, your impact for his kingdom. kingdom. And it's time to unleash the power and authority of Christ on these false principalities. Question is, Has Yahweh decreed your victory? Are we walking in that decree? Or are we trying to do everything by ourselves without asking help? 
And that's what the church is for. We got to ask for help. We got to lean on each other and remind ourselves that we are empowered by God through the Holy Spirit. And then this is what happened. Joshua inflicted a crushing defeat on them at Gibeon. For Yahweh threw the Amorites into a panic. At the sudden sight of Israel's armies, Yahweh empowered Joshua and his army to chase them in the direction of the Beth Horon ascent. And they slaughtered the king's armies all the way to Azekah and the city of Makedah. And as the Amorites raced down the hill to Beth Horon. And then Yahweh hurled large hailstones on them from the sky. The hail continued to fall all the way to Azekah. In fact, more men died from Yahweh's hailstones than by the swords of the Israelites. Ladies and gentlemen, when we do things God's way, God is going to fight for you. And any impact that is made, the greater damage is going to be done on his side than anything that we can do. But we got to let him do it. We got to be obedient and we got to listen. And we got to step forward. And I promise you, his word is true. He will be with you always. Yahweh empowered Joshua. I love that. And did you see what it, the word said? For Yahweh threw the Amorites into a panic. Well, we just talked about that earlier. What happens when you panic? Confusion? start freaking out you don't know what's what God threw them into confusion and panic because when you're in panic you're gonna lose any sports sporting event you go to if the other team starts to panic that's when you pounce on them right because they're gonna lose you can't panic why are we the ones panicking? We have Jesus. Yahweh empowered the army. The Holy Spirit is here to empower you. It's time to embrace the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If the God who loves us and gave his beloved son to us to die for us, and he wants us to have this gift, why would we be afraid of it? Let me, I promise you, the manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are wonderful. They are good. I love what R.A. Torrey says. It says, a very large portion of the church knows and claims for itself a very small part of that which God has made possible for them in Christ. Because they know so very little of what the Holy Spirit can do for us and longs to do for us. The Holy Spirit wants to help us fight. He's there for us, not just to sit on the sideline, but to be used. You have these gifts. Let the Holy Spirit activate the gifts inside of you. Jesus demonstrate what's possible when a person who's fully yielded to the obedience of the Holy Spirit, what can happen? 1 Corinthians 12, 4 says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of all of them. And here's, here's the key to that. 
How do I activate those gifts? Encounter leads to empowerment. The encounter of the presence of God leads to empowerment. The encounter of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, leads to our freedom. The encounter of the Holy Spirit leads to empowerment. Let Him empower us. Because if you sit there long enough, you start to take on those attributes. It's like when we were in the DR, you know, they have no, we went to a couple restaurants and they have no smoking sections or rules about smoking. And so we were sitting there and people were smoking next to us. And we left there after an hour of eating and we're like, oh, like we all smelled like cigarette smoke. Couldn't get the, the smell out of our nose for a while because we were in the presence. If, that, if cigarette smoke has that much power, just imagine how much power the Holy Spirit has when we sit in His presence. And then we can walk around going, yeah, I feel pretty good. Yeah. I got the I got the Holy Spirit. I'm ready to go. And that's when we start embracing the culture of heaven over the culture of the world. And there's several five times that this statement is made that I want you to adopt this morning. Five powerful phrases that I, I just want you to grab. And it, it would say, by the power of Yahweh they captured by the power of Yahweh by the power of Yahweh by the power of Yahweh not by the power of your name by the power of Yahweh by the power of Yahweh by the power of the Holy Spirit ladies and gentlemen we got to stop trying to do everything under our power we got to give power to, to the king and let him start doing what he does then here's my favorite part here's my favorite part because this is where you're also empowered and so what happened the battle took on took place they were wiped out God fought with them they were wiped out five kings retreated into a cave Joshua found out where they were and he's like, they trapped themselves. Roll a stone over the cave and let them sit there until we wipe the rest of them out. Because that's what the enemy does. He really traps himself. And so then when they got done with the armies, he came back and goes, take the stone away. Bring those five kings out. And the five kings came and they put them, they knelt them on the ground. And this is what was awesome. And verse 24 says, Joshua summoned all of Israel and ordered his army officers. He's empowering his officers because Joshua didn't do it himself. He empowered. And he says, place your feet on the necks of these kings. So they placed their feet upon their necks. Then Joshua said to his officers, Never be afraid of your enemies or let them discourage you. 
Be strong and filled with courage. Yahweh is going to do to all your enemies what he's done to these kings. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you are empowered to bring that principality of discouragement, of hate, of anger, and step on its neck. I come against depression. I come against anxiety. I come against these things in Jesus' name. I come against discouragement. I come against fear. Step on the neck. Step on the neck. It's okay to get a little angry. It's okay to step on the enemy. Step on the neck. But, but, the culture isn't like that. We're not like the culture. Step on the neck of the enemy. We're going to step on the neck of abortion in Jesus' name. We're going to step on the neck of spiritual blindness in Jesus' name. We're going to step on the neck of religion in Jesus' name. And apathy in Jesus' name. We're going to step on the, on the neck of passivity and moral corruption and weariness and broken relationships. The demonic doesn't get to win. It doesn't get to win. You're empowered. You are empowered. Stop allowing the enemy to take your power. You're empowered to do so. Righteousness. The true Adonai, true righteousness will prevail in Jesus' name. We don't have to take on the things of this, in the culture of this world. We take on the culture of the King. It's time, ladies and gentlemen. There are some things in your life. There are some hurts. There are some discouragement. There's some pain. There's some apathy. Whatever it is, some depression. It's time to step on that neck this morning. It's time to step on that neck this morning. The mountains shake before him. The demons run and flee. At the mention of your name, King of Majesty. Well, I don't know about you, but I want to step on the neck of some things in my life that I know God wants me to overcome. So get that in front of you. Put whatever that is that the Holy Spirit's bringing to your mind and say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm not taking it anymore. I'm going to, by the power and the authority that Jesus Christ has given me, I'm going to step on the neck of the enemy. Scripture tells us that we can step and walk on serpents and scorpions, that is the principalities and powers that are arrayed against us and take authority. So do that today and walk in victory. If you want to find out more about Cross Point Church and our ministries, check out our website at cptyler.church. Information is in the show notes. Have an amazing day.